It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's Friday, April 29th. This is your KVMR Evening News. Three decades ago, Los Angeles was consumed in flames as residents took to the streets protesting the acquittal of four white LAPD officers for the beating of black motorist Rodney King. On tonight's California Report, we hear from journalist Joel Anderson, host of the Slow Burn podcast. The show's sixth season focuses on the civil unrest of 1992. Then KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza speaks to Holly Dilly, whose grand opening of her skate shop, Crush Nevada City, is this Saturday. And Grammy-winning singer-songwriter Tim O'Brien swings by to speak with Felton Pruitt. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. This week, L.A. marks the 30th anniversary of one of the most painful and bloodiest chapters in the city's history, the civil unrest of 1992, which some called the L.A. riots and others the L.A. rebellion. In response to the acquittal of four white LAPD officers for the beating of black motorist Rodney King, angry people took to the streets for nearly a week. By the time it was over, dozens had been killed and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage done. If you want a superb audio account of the forces that led up to those days of fire and fury in L.A., I'd suggest the podcast series Slow Burn, The Los Angeles Riots. I talked to its host, Joel Anderson, about the legacy of 1992, starting with the biggest lesson he learned while working on the series. Well, that many of the problems that we have today or not new. Um, They're very familiar to us that a lot of the things that led up to April 29th, 1992, are a lot of the same things that led up to, you know, the so-called racial awakening that America had in the wake of George Floyd's death. You know, the poverty, the the complaints about police abuse, all the other sort of like cultural issues that created the tensions that sort of exploded in that one moment in L.A. That stuff was going on in 1965 when the Watts riots happened and they were present in America in 2020 uh, during that summer. So I think that was the one thing that just you see so many parallels like, huh, that sounds familiar. So that that's kind of, I think, my big takeaway after I looked at all of that. I was like, oh, wow, nothing is new in America, basically. You know, essentially, if you were able to take people who experienced 1992 in L.A. and time travel them to L.A. of 2022 or America of 2022, a lot would be familiar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just think about like, you know, a lot of the reporting around the L.A. Sheriff's Department right now. Right. And a lot of the complaints people have, you talk about you know police abuse. I think that if you look at some of the reporting that's done around that and the, the concerns that people have about the way that department is run, uh, the way that they interact with the public, the sort of the lack of accountability, that sounds very familiar to people. And that's the same sort of stuff that was going on in the buildup around Daryl Gates's LAPD throughout the 80s leading into 1992. I mean, this sounds exactly like the same sort of thing. And it's sort of a tinderbox. You know, you wonder like, oh, when are people finally going to have enough? Yeah. And you referenced uh, Chief Gates, who was the chief of police at the time, very controversial, a polarizing figure. Can I talk to you about language and what happened in Los Angeles in 1992? To some people, it's the riots. And you use that word in your series. To other people, it's the rebellion. To others, it's civil unrest or civil disturbance. What do you think it was? 
I think it was all of those things, but it was a riot. I mean, there were people in the streets that were not out there necessarily to correct the misjustice and the Rodney King trial, right? There were people that saw an opportunity and took stuff and hurt people when they shouldn't have been. But there were people that were also legitimately in the streets who were very upset about how they'd been treated by the LAPD or local law enforcement, social conditions that had not been addressed politically for years, if not decades. And yeah, in rebellion, I mean, there were people, you know, people from all sorts of communities throughout Southern California that were upset about not only Rodney King, but just the way that their communities have been treated. And just personally, as a journalist who who worked on this project as a black American, what do you want people to absolutely remember about what happened in Los Angeles at that time? I think one thing is that none of this had to happen. At any point along the way, if things had worked the way they were supposed to systemically, there could have been a lot of lives saved. There could have been a lot of property that wasn't damaged. You just think about that if LAPD had handled the officers that were accused of beating Rodney King in a way that people thought was equitable and fair, that maybe it wouldn't have happened. And if, you know, the jury trial, like if that had gone differently, even in the proceedings that led up to the verdict, maybe if that had gone differently, it you know, maybe we, we don't end up here. Maybe this doesn't become, it doesn't spin out of control. When you're in this country, you know, you think that things have to happen this way or that the problems we have are so intractable that they can't be figured out. But actually there are steps along the way at which we can address them and maybe it doesn't have to become just a huge explosion of anger and fury and blood. And so that's what I kind of hope that people take from this. All right. That is Joel Anderson, host of the excellent podcast series, Slow Burn, the LA riots about what happened in Los Angeles in 1992. Joel, thank you so much for joining us on the California Report. Oh, so thanks so much for having me on. It was my pleasure. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And now, host Sasha Coca brings us a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. The concoction. How did he build that concoction? This week, KQED's Silicon Valley reporter Aditi Bandlamudi traces the origins of a dish that combines ingredients like pasta— samosas, and coleslaw, topped with vodka sauce and shredded cheese, all on a sizzling platter. It felt like a fever dream. How did this dish come to be? And why? And again, how? You can hear more of Oddity's food journey that takes us from India, the Middle East, England, and back to the Golden State on this week's California Report magazine. Find it on some public radio stations or download the podcast.
And that's the California Report for Friday, April 29th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers this week are Katie McMurrin, Chris Hoff, Brendan Willard, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovid Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. Now let's take a look at regional news. Nevada County Public Health reports 27 new confirmed COVID-19 cases since last reported. 46 are active with two people hospitalized. No one is in the ICU. A reminder, the Nevada County Public Health Department now updates its COVID-19 dashboard only on Tuesdays and Fridays. Placer County is hosting a free medication take-back this Saturday. The collection takes place at several locations in Roseville, Loomis, Lincoln, Rockland, Auburn, and Truckee, April 30th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Prescription and over-the-counter drugs, veterinary medications, and controlled substances will be accepted. Vaping devices can also be turned in. A few guidelines, keep pills in their prescription bottles. Liquids can also be disposed of in their original bottles. Feel free to remove or cover personal information, although it isn't mandatory. All bottles will be incinerated. Unacceptable items include lancets, medical waste, illicit drugs, cannabis products, aerosols, and hydrogen peroxide. Residents with questions about the event can call 916-258-2302 or visit Placer County's website. The Pine Tree Quilt Guild's Springtime in the Pines is back after a two-year pandemic-induced hiatus. The quilt show features more than 250 pieces made by local residents. The show is a fundraiser for the nonprofit group. It returns to the Nevada County Fairgrounds this Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Caltrans and construction crews are planning weekend road work on Interstate 5 in downtown Sacramento, starting at 10 p.m. today. Construction for the Interstate 5 Corridor Enhancement Project will be taking place on the northbound side of the freeway from the Highway 50 Capital City Freeway Interchange to J Street. The closures include on-ramps to northbound I-5 at P&W Streets, the 15th Street on-ramp to westbound Highway 50, the connector from westbound Highway 50 to northbound I-5, and the off-ramp from northbound I-5 to J Street. Motorists will be restricted to 55 miles per hour and fewer lanes of traffic. Construction is scheduled to end by 5 a.m. Monday. The new Target store moving into Kmart's former space at McKnight Crossing is on track to open sometime in early December. The store will offer nearly 100,000 square feet of retail merchandise, including a 1,500-square-foot CVS pharmacy. Quote, it will be a typical Target, says president of Mesa Management, Steve Mensinger. The management company is in charge of the McKnight Crossing shopping center. Target will take over Kmart's remaining 35-year lease and it'll add another 20 years for a total 55-year lease. Target plans to spend $10 to $12 million on the project, with an additional $5 million invested by the McKnight Crossing owners for exterior work. The center also has plans for two other features. The Mix will be an outdoor eating area, and the Grove will be a 10,000-square-foot area with retail, entertainment, and food from local purveyors. This from the Union of Grass Valley. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 46. Saturday, sunny with a high near 69. 
Sunday, sunny with a high near 72. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 32. Saturday, mostly sunny with a high near 57. Sunday, sunny with a high near 57. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 50. Saturday, sunny with a high near 83. Sunday, sunny with a high near 83. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Up ahead, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza speaks to Holly Dilly, whose grand opening of her skate shop, Crush Nevada City, is this Saturday. Walking into 405 Commercial Street is like walking into no other shop in Nevada City. What was once a coffee roaster is now home to the creation of local artist Holly Dilly. I got to speak with her this afternoon about her new shop and about an event taking place this weekend. So tell me about what you do here. So you have all kinds of things here for sale, but you make custom skates, right? I do. Um, It kind of started during the pandemic. I'd ordered a pair of skates for skating at the skate park, and I waited nine months for them to arrive. And in the meantime, I got antsy like I usually do, and I made my own skates. So I took a pair of Nikes and ordered a pair of plates because I could still get parts with the supply chain. And I ordered all the parts I needed, and I built my own skates. So the first pair of skates you made... We're out of a pair of Nikes. Yep. And what are your favorite shoes to make skates from? Nikes. I'm a huge Nike collector. I always have been. I have a collection for sure. Um, and yeah, that's definitely my shoe of choice. So tell me about the roller skating community. I think that a lot of people might be unaware that that even exists. It definitely exists. It's on the rise. It's happening fast. It's probably the fastest growing sport in America right now. It's, it's awesome. Um, everybody can do it. It's been around for ages and you know, all ages, all people, everybody's welcome. What's the community reception been to, to crush? Uh, um, you know, in the beginning I was pretty nervous about it. I wasn't sure how people were gonna really perceive it. Um, it's been exceptionally welcoming and it's the best feeling ever. I looked at a couple different retail spaces and told them I wanted to sell skates and that I wanted to have a skate store and got shut down, got shut down. You know, they're worried about insurance, liability. And then, you know, my friend Bennett, who used to own Crumb Bunny Coffee Roasters, was deciding he's going to close his doors and he knew I was looking for a space and passed my number along and my landlord has been super welcoming. And I feel really, really lucky. Since I've gotten the space, all the businesses have come and introduced themselves to me and welcomed me to the town and my idea to the town and just what it could bring potentially for our children, for our families, for adult night. You know, like I feel like skating could go a long way in Nevada City. I feel like we need something here. I don't know if a rink is feasible at the moment, but I definitely want to work towards future goals of having some kind of pop-up rink that we can do in Pioneer Park or do at, you know, a random location on a Wednesday night. Invite your friends, bring your kids, rent some skates, buy some skates, you know, have a picnic, whatever, just something different that we can bring to to the town. We'll see what the future holds, you know, like tomorrow's going to tell a lot about how the community perceives this idea and how they want to support it. Um, I'm down to like be the hub to help people and to give them a space to communicate and talk about it. And then where it goes from tomorrow, I really don't know. 
Tell me about what's going on tomorrow. Um, we are going to close down the parking lot and we're going to have a skate event where people can bring their own roller skates or they can borrow some of our roller skates if they sign a waiver and they can skate in the parking lot. We're going to have a DJ. Our friend DJ Naughty is going to be playing and we're going to have some food from our local vendors at Mosh Posh Market. Um, they're going to be doing pre-made meals to go. Fable is going to be sponsoring the event, so we're going to have coffee and also Gold Vibe Kombucha is going to be here serving some kombucha. And that's going to start at what time? Four o'clock from four to nine. Four to nine. Bring your skates if you have them or yep. you can borrow some. Yes. What about rollerbladers? They're welcome. What about skateboarders? Oh, God. It's tough. I'd love to welcome it to skateboarders. I'm a little concerned about boards flying around with children. I don't want anybody to get injured or hurt. I want to make sure it's safe, safety first. So I'd like it if those skateboarders could leave their four wheels at home and strap on eight wheels instead. Eight wheels good, four wheels bad. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That was local artist and entrepreneur Holly Dilly. The grand opening party for her new skate shop, Crush Nevada City, is tomorrow, April 30th, from 4 to 9 p.m. Dire Straits singer and lead guitarist Mark Knopfler called him a master of American folk music, Irish music, Scottish music, it doesn't matter, a fine songwriter, and one of my favorite singers. Who else but Tim O'Brien? Listen along as he speaks to Felton Pruitt. We're talking with Tim O'Brien, who's going to be appearing at the Auburn State Theater tomorrow evening at 7.30, along with Jan Fabricius. It's a great show, isn't it, Tim? Felton, we are sweethearts on stage and off, and we play music together on stage and off. So we're just kind of bringing our little bit of our home to the folks in Auburn. I haven't been in Auburn in forever, and um, I've never played there. I ate a really good Mexican dinner there one time when Hot Rise was traveling on one of our very first trips to California. But other than that, I don't remember much about Auburn, but I know it's not far from your area, so it can't be all bad. No, when, be nice. when I moved to Grass Valley like, you know, 18 years ago, people said, well, where is that? And I says, you know where the In-N-Out Burger is off of Highway 80 between Sacramento and Reno? Well, that's Auburn. They all know. <laughs> yeah, they yeah know exactly. <laughs> Well, you're just down the street from the In-N-Out Burger at the Auburn State Theater tomorrow night. Uh, what do you guys got planned for us? Well, we have, uh, you know, we do songs from the latest release, which is a year old now. He walked on and we do different things from other, you know, <laughs> reaching back in the repertoire. Actually, back in uh, February, we did some stuff where actually Travis Book had us do a, a like a, he had me do like a retrospective. He did like a an interview and performance podcast thing or a video, I guess. Anyway, so we reached back and we, we learned some old songs and I keep bringing them back here and there from different periods. And I got a few new things. Maybe we'll pull one out. I'm not sure. Well, you've got a thing on your website called the short order sessions where you do a, what is it? A song every month. Well, I haven't done that for years, but uh, that was good for a while. And, those songs are, are kind of dormant, but uh, some of them end up on actual CDs and sort of sets, you know, every now and again. But I'm looking at right now, I've got been writing a bunch of songs. I got a bucket of songs kind of more than I need to make a record, but I'm trying to figure out what what shape it's going to take. And uh, there's one shorter session track that might come forward for that. It's It's just kind of funny. It's, you know, I try to reuse, I try to, you know, use the material that fits together. And hopefully I did that with He Walked On. That kind of was like a pandemic 
response and a Black Lives Matter response and a just kind of a last year or the year before were weird times and uh, we're still not out of this silly thing, but uh, there's definitely a more open reopening seems more real this summer and spring. So I guess we'll get some songs from Hot Rise from all of Tim O'Brien's albums and career and some stuff Jan's thrown in and maybe some traditional stuff and maybe some, some I don't know, stuff from outer space. Yeah, because the outer space stuff is, uh, you never know when that'll hit. It just kind of <laughs> comes into your head and pops out of your fingers and people say, what was that? I said, I don't know. But uh, now we, uh, Jan plays the mandolin and sings harmony and I play the guitar and play a little bit of fill. We're going to be playing at the Berkeley Bluegrass Festival tonight and uh, down at the Freight and Salvage at Berkeley. And then we'll be coming up to Auburn for you folks on Saturday. I seem to remember many times where you started doing songs from out of space. I remember the night at uh, <laughs> Strawberry when the power went out. That was a pretty spacey night. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was amazingly amazing su- success for a power outage. We kept the show going long enough for them to find a way to get some PA back on. And it was about 45 minutes, I think, of just an amazing audience responding to whatever it was we had to do. Oh, you were, we, uh, you were amazing. Did the alphabet backwards so that people that were driving home could remember how to do that in case it got stopped. And uh, I'm not sure what all we did. Pete was doing some pretty interesting stuff, too, at that time. Pete Warner. <laughs> oh, yeah, we had a spelling bee. Yeah. Hey, Tim, by yeah. the way, uh, our buddy... He had some health issues uh, about a month or so ago. How's Pete doing? Pete's doing well. I just uh, was in touch with him yesterday. He's, you know, getting up his uh, his uh, cardio strength, his capacity. He's he's going to be actually he'll be on route to Merlefest where he's going to teach uh, at a jam camp. He runs these jam camps out there every year, so he's back in it. And um, yeah, he's I think he's on the upswing. You know. He, He's lucky he, he got to the hospital quickly. He had a heart attack in, uh, I guess it was February. He's doing all right. Well, I'm glad to hear that because that means then that your appearance at Rocky Grass with Hot Rise is still on. Yeah, we're we're planning that actively too. We've been talking about the repertoire and stuff and how that's all going to work. <laughs> it seems like a long way off, but uh, a couple of days ago I got a notebook out and scratched out lyrics to about eight songs. I thought, well, I looked at the long list of songs. I said, well, these here I need a little brush up on. And it was kind of amazing. I, th- I think that I most of them are still in my head, but we'll see. Well, they're in our heads, so we remember them. If you forget the lyrics, we'll just sing them back to you. Well, you know, these old Codger reunions are funny that way. Uh, the people in the audience, they prove that they've always been at least part, at least half the show. You know, and um, they prop us up when we when we fall, when we fail, and uh, so we're looking forward to that. Nick's building it; he's renovating a new house, and I just put windows in my house. So we just rearranged our house. I did spring cleaning in places I haven't been twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> we're certainly looking forward to you. You're playing at the Auburn State Theater tomorrow night at seven thirty. Uh, you're in Berkeley at the Freight and Salvage tonight. For anybody that wants to drive right now, you still could probably make it if you're like listening yeah. to us out in one of our, our far-reaching signals of KVMR. What else do you want people to know about Tim O'Brien and Jan Fabricius rolling around touring? Well, we uh, we're kind of going into a little bit of a hybrid mode. We have a little camp trailer that we bought, and um, 
we're getting ready to, to travel with that and do some gigs and some camping. We're going out to New Mexico next month. Right after we get back from Auburn, we're going to hop in the truck, pull it out to near Santa Fe and play a show. And then we got six days at a hot springs out there. And then we go and play a festival and then we come home and we'll play on Kansas on the way home. Stuff like that is going on. And we're doing more of that in the summer. And, um, you know, it's, um, I'm not really stopped, but things are tapering a little bit as far as uh, touring activity, but we're making time to do some good stuff. And luckily traveling with your sweetheart is great because we don't have to come home to one another. We're, we're just there yeah. and we can just do whatever we want in between shows. Well, if you want more information about where Tim and Jan will be, you can go to timobrien.net and you That's can right. go see them at the Auburn State Theater tomorrow night at 7.30 in Auburn. Tim O'Brien, always great to chat with you. Thank you, Felton. Thanks for playing the good music and see you there. That's our newscast for this Friday, April 29th. KVMR gets support from Four Paws Animal Clinic. Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue in Nevada City. FourPawsAC.com And Mandavi Center, presenting an evening with David Sedaris on Sunday, May 1st, 7.30 p.m. With a sardonic wit and incisive social critiques, Sedaris is one of America's humor writers. Tickets at MandaviArts.org. Tonight's 6.30 will be a live remote. Stay tuned for the Sierra Poetry Festival Media Lounge. We go live to the Nevada City Winery, where Elisa Parker will interview some of the poets participating in Saturday's festival. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.